don't think that you're fooling God and don't think five minutes before you die, if you say you're sorry, it covers all the no good that you've done and, and think that God's going to accept that. Like, like you're a lawyer trying to argue the case whatsoever you do to the least of my brothers and my sisters that you do unto me. That's how we're all going to be judged. Well, it's the sunny side. We see people who are struggling in the darkest of times, but yet God pulls them to the sunny side. And my very special guest is Zach. And Zach, you're a Facebook friend of my boss, Dave Margolotti. And um, <laughs> he said, Sonny, you need to talk to Zach. Tell us, who, first off, who is Zach? Well, um, Zach is a complicated person, just like everybody else. I mean, <laughs> it depends on what time of the day you get me or what I'm going through. But I would say if you're going to ask me a way to summarize who I am, I would say first and foremost, a Christian, Hmm. uh, a father, a son, a brother, an advocate. Uh, I'm also an Orthodox priest, which uh, is if you're Roman Catholic or if you've ever been to a Roman Catholic mass, uh, you'd recognize the liturgy, uh, to give you a comparison. It's um, considered Eastern, Eastern Orthodox. Uh, it's a rich history. and goes back to, for my family, uh, to Russia. And, um, you know, I, I always was attracted to Orthodoxy. Even when I was a little kid, I just would look at the church, and, and I knew that my grandfather and my grandparents and my mom all went there, and I would see a fence around it. And I would think to myself, I don't know why they put a fence up. And as a little boy, that's the the, the quickest way to get somebody to want to go in is when you fence them up. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I'm also a, a broadcaster. I've been in New York radio for over 20 years. I've been doing radio for 35. I've worked in secular radio. I've also worked in Christian radio. Hmm. Um, I have a degree from New York Theological Seminary master's degree. I went to St. John's for my undergrad, and then I got an MBA from the University of Phoenix, which, boy, were they ahead of the curve as far as uh, learning goes and and, um, remote learning. But I think what Dave was really referring to was a Facebook post that I uh, posted in February, and it was about how to forgive people. And, you know, maybe, maybe there were some light political overtones over the whole thing too, because of what we've gone through as a country and and not picking any sides, but it is a little bit, I think, short-sighted to feel that any one person or any political party is really going to make all that much difference in your life. We should focus on the kingdom of God. And that doesn't say that we should remain silent when we see some sort of abuse or when we see something that isn't right, we mm-hmm. should speak up and, and just speak the truth. Yes. Right. Um, but there was a lot of fighting back and forth, you know, name calling. Every day I was getting on Facebook. This is a downer, man. I mean, uh, everybody's so miserable. And, you know, even COVID-19 and how people dealt with that, you can you can look at it as an opportunity to become stronger in faith In other words, live like a monk. That's what I was telling some people. Pray more. Uh, Church starts at home. It's not something that you just go to on Sunday and then uh, forget it during the rest of the week. And as a Christian, there's a couple requirements. 
And one of those is forgiveness. And when you hate other people, you're really wasting a lot of energy and it's really self-destructive. Mm, yes. So I was trying to get a point across to people that whether it's this president, that president, this politician, that uh, politician, to hate that person, to openly hate them, is just wrong. Even if, even if they, if even if they're not nice people, mm. even if you think that they're wrong, to hate them, no, that's wrong. We're supposed to pray, right, for not only our friends and family, but for our enemies as well. Well, not only that leader, but uh, people who then vote for that leader. How dare you? You, you people are the bad people. You heard that all the time, also. Well, <laughs> yeah, that was that was part of it, and you know to. Say, hey, listen, to question, I mean, I, I always found this funny. Uh, I remember listening to Bruce Springsteen live 75 to 85, and mm. he was covering this song, War. And he's like, blind faith in your government is not good. It'll get you killed. You know, don't, you got to question your government kind of a message. And I'm thinking, well, Bruce, does that only apply to one side or is that mm. when no matter who's in charge? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. even if, if, if it's your girl or guy, you have to hold them accountable to certain things. You just can't say, oh, it's acceptable to, you know, be that way and treat people like that and say things like that. I mean, you've you, you got to be held accountable. You represent me, too. So, yes. Yes. you know, how about that? And then, you know, if you were if you served in the military, there's another way of looking at the commander in chief. Doesn't matter who that person is. You salute that person. Mm -hmm. So anyway. The, the biggest part of what I was seeing, specifically on social media, was all the hate going back and forth and people not being forgiving. And there's uh, the Our Father, and it says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, or forgive us our debts as we forgive um, our debtors, you know, the people who are debt indebted to us. Now, we got to go back to 2003 when it turned out that my mother was murdered in front of me by a serial murderer. Notice I don't say killer, murderer, serial murderer. Mm. And his name was Charles Cullen. And it was a famous case. It was all over the, the world, really. It was covered all over the place. And, you know, when I, when I was going through all of that and trying to really synthesize what's happening, I, I had to, you know, I don't think I ever hated the guy that murdered my mom. Oh man, I was I was angry. Yes, righteous anger is, you know, is part of being a Christian as well. When something is really disturbing, you have to stand up for life, right? You got to defend those people who are unable to defend themselves. You got to got to take a stand. It's not always easy to take a stand. It's not always popular. Mm -hmm. So the whole idea is, well, how do we forgive somebody even when they do something that is in our eyes or in the, in the eyes of other people, really unforgivable. Yes. We're talking with Zach about forgiveness and the lessons he learned following his mother's murder. I think the hardest thing to forgive sometimes is a betrayal. That's really difficult, especially when it's somebody close. But I think even Ju Jesus was willing to forgive Judas if Judas asked for forgiveness. He did forgive Peter, you know. That was a betrayal too. Betrayed him three times. So, and that, you know, we have to be aware of that story because it's so close 
to the bone, I guess. I mean, it really hits hard. Think about your closest friends that you've been around with, and they've seen you perform these miracles. They, they've seen you bring people back from the dead. It, there's a doubt, right, that crept in the mind of Peter, certainly in Judas. It wasn't going the way he expected, so he forced the issue. Peter was just being Peter, like many of us. We like to put ourselves vicariously in these biblical stories to think that we would do the right choice. But mm. I, I gotta, I gotta say probably not, yeah. you know, we, yeah. we don't know what, what it's like to be in those shoes. Uh, the interesting thing when I think about you contemplate on what was going on in the time and how everybody fled Jesus, even though they witnessed all of these great miracles and all these wonderful things, but who are the, who are the strongest, strongest followers that really, I don't think were in fear of what the authorities could do to them were the women, something mm -hmm. just to contemplate the strength of women. So, you know, when you, when you go through an experience like that, it could go two paths. You can go down the wrong path and then you end up with all kinds of mental illness challenges, maybe depression. You could end up abusing substances. You could really ruin your whole family. Yes. Um, you know, all, all these different things. There's only this anger and this hostility when you, constantly or always emoting it is really bad for your health and not what God wants. So the whole thing that I, I posted, and I never shared it before, I, I never posted about what happened to me and my mom on Facebook, primarily because Facebook wasn't really around in 2003. But when I approached the uh, anniversary in February, I never made mention to it because I didn't want to, you know, somehow inadvertently rob the emotional reaction to other people who are victimized by Charles Cullen. And, you know, as Christians, you, you could, you got to be very careful how you transmit the message. Uh, sometimes it's better just to, to be very uh, delicate with it and, and not to get uh, to the point where you're that Pharisee. Oh God, I'm 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 so glad I'm not a sinner like that yes. publican over there. Yeah. You know, I'm so glad that I tithe and I do all of these great works. I I'm just so glad I'm not like him. And and the other, you know, you don't want to be like that guy. You also don't want to be like the people that you read about, where the paralytic he's paralyzed for 28 years, I think, and he's waiting for the the waters to be stirred up by the angel in Bethsaida right? That pool in Bethsaida. And Jesus comes up to him and he goes, uh, you know, asks, he basically asks him what's going on. He goes, well, I want to be cured. And, and I, I come here every day, been waiting here every day. And, you know, before I can make it to the water, everybody else basically walks over me and gets there before I do. And I, I can't be cured. And Jesus cures him. And we sometimes miss the uh, the the things that are not being said in the gospel. You don't want to be that person that's stepping over the other person to make sure that you get cured first. What what kind of that that's not being a good Christian? Pick the person up. Don't worry about yourself. Uh, try to be a service to others. Serve others, even if you're you're not feeling well about your situation. Serve others. It's gonna it's gonna be for your own benefit. Same thing with forgiveness. Sooner or later, you're gonna have to just go. Okay. I forgive. Now, this thing about forgiveness does not necessarily mean I have to become buddies with Charles Cullen and visit him on a regular basis in jail. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe that would happen if he 
if you wanted to say, listen, uh, I'm really sorry what I did to your mom. And, you know, I, I know I can't make it up in any way, shape or form. I suppose my answer to him would be, well, why don't you pray and ask for forgiveness and pray for my mom and for all of those that, that you've harmed and take responsibility and don't go on television acting like you were the angel of mercy because you weren't. You were the angel of death. You were doing the devil's work. And, you know, maybe you got to maybe got to admit to that. This is obviously a what if scenario of how that conversation would take place. I don't think I'd want to punch him out or, you know, throw him out the window. Although, you know, there are differences, Sonny. Um, it was my mom. Yeah. It wasn't my child. And I don't know what it would be like if it was my child. I probably would have a real hard time getting over that one. Well, people will be surprised that you were able to be where you are now. Even, of course, being with your mom and this man who was just notorious taking so many lives. Uh, we, we're we angry when people cut us off in traffic, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I do that too, because we're mad at the inanimate object mm. and we probably project the, what we, the ugliness in ourselves is what we project on an inanimate object. Yes. So when we, we freak out at somebody who cuts us off, you know, we're, we're just showing our ugliness about our feelings inside. Yeah. All right. And then my, my daughter, she goes, well, it's a waxing moon or something like that. I go, well, that explains everything. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think also, too, that everybody is under so much stress right now that even when they finally get out on the roads, they're not they're not you know all with it. Right. I mean, I think we're all a little bit scattered I mean, COVID-19 and yeah. uh, economy and political fights and, you know, the wars and rumors of wars, all those things that are depicted in the Bible are coming true right in front of us. So. Then it brings us to this important part of the conversation. It's often been said, live each day to its fullest. And I think that there's a caveat with that. What does that mean to live life to the fullest? That means that you have to be ready to go. That means every day you should strive to be a better Christian, to, you know, pray more, to have that relationship with God, to deepen that relationship, that's living life to the fullest. Living life to the fullest also means that you can see the suffering in others and do something about it. Because if you can see the suffering in others and do something about it, maybe we won't have another guy like Charles Cullen amongst us. Maybe what Charles lacked his whole life was love and understanding and somebody being kind to him. And, and maybe society was really the, the, the ultimate guilty one in that. That's why sometimes you know, reading the Bible where whole cities are wiped out because the collective consciousness of the city was not godly. It, it got to the point where it was just, it was, it was too much for God to stand. So God is forbearance, but you know, there are limits. Okay. Yeah. And then, then here's another thing that, that people must understand. And I'm going to talk directly to our leaders on this one. Don't think that you're fooling God and don't think five minutes before you die, if you say you're sorry, it covers all the no good that you've done and think that God's going to accept that. Like, like you're a lawyer trying to argue the case. 
whatsoever you do to the least of my brothers and my sisters, that you do unto me. That's how we're all going to be judged. So, you know, sober up. We don't have, we don't know how much time we have. How many of us lost people unexpectedly over the past couple of years anyway? Yeah. We don't know. So live life to the fullest, which means you know, make sure that you pray every day. Make sure that you, you're talking to God and that, that you uh, repent of your sins. So I think we can all do a better job. And, and I, I shared all of those different things with people. I guess, you know, in one post tried to, to get that across because when I thought about my mom's death I, and how it happened and now everybody's wearing a mask, this was in a hospital setting, Sonny. So yeah, yeah. this past year of seeing masks and, and shots, I mean, she was murdered by a shot. I mean, can you imagine what it's doing to me and mm. my psyche sometimes? Like, yeah. it, 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 it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a little scary. Um, the interesting thing that even after that happened, I ended up becoming a hospice chaplain and I did that for about nine or 10 years until the COVID-19 situation. And it's kind of like, I, I, I'm ready to, to go in another direction here. I did my, my service in that, that area. And, and I became an advocate making sure that people were getting good care. They weren't being taken advantage of, that they were comfortable, that, you know, I looked over the situation and made sure that they're physical needs as well as their emotional needs and spiritual needs were being met to the best of my ability and advocating for, for people in that situation. Um, that I think um, was at first, it was a little rough because some of the hospitals that this guy worked in and some of the places, I guess he, he might've interacted with, I ended up going into those same locations. Mm. So there was, there was that part of it, but you know, it, it, I, I, I guess, you know, Sometimes you get just got to take those what, what those seemingly bad situations are and make good come out of it. See, God can use any situation, even bad ones. Yes. And make something good come out of it. And and we also we don't because we're we're finite. We, we understand the beginning. We understand the end. OK, we, we generally will miss out. On everything in between because we're worrying about all right getting there okay and i can give you an example about how god works and and this lesson of faith this is a good one hmm. i remember being on that um uh, henry hudson oh is it the fdr no yeah the fdr and um for a while they they were again you know reconstructing the whole area and it was a mess. And then I'm like, traffic's bad enough. Now I got to sit in this mess in the FDR. Are you kidding me? It's crazy. And I just looked in, and I'm looking around at the construction. I'm like, oh, it's a government operation. It's going to be a disaster. What good can come out of this? <laughs> and then, you know, it went on for months and years. Every time I'd get in the traffic jam, I'm like, oh, this is not going to, this is not going to end well. This is just stupid, you know? Gosh, this is like talk again, very cynical about the people building it. And then one day it, uh, they finished the construction on, on, I guess, the southbound side. And I couldn't believe how great it was. It's like, wow, this is phenomenal. They did a great job. I had no faith in them. Right. But it turned out they had had a, had done a great job. And, and then it occurred to me that, see, my lack of faith 
that was the the real problem here. It 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 wasn't you know sitting in traffic. I guess you know like we, we get so used to things not turning out so well that we just figure it's the worst case scenario. So I started to imagine that the person who designed it and came up with the plan of how we're going to go with the construction and what lanes we're going to close and how we're going to do this, the order of everything must have been must have been a real brilliant person. And despite everything that that person had to go through and despite all the complaints and all of the, you know, I don't think so's and like, you got to be kidding me. All of those things that New Yorkers say, including forget about it. It's not going to work. <laughs> um, this person had enormous faith in his or her abilities and could see at that site to see what the end would look like and how beautiful it would really be in terms of highways. And I thought to myself, man, if I only had the faith like that person, right? So I used that. And I thought to myself, you know, in so many situations, we don't see how it plays out. We get caught up in the moment and we start to start to um, maybe lose a little faith like, like Peter and doubt what we've witnessed for so many times, God coming through so many times, you start to put the doubt in there and we drift away from uh, our core beliefs, our guiding principles, our, our faith in Christ. We drift away from the church, the body of Christ. We drift away from others. We start to wander off on our own. We start to think that we could take care of it. And it turns out that that's just the devil putting all those roadblocks and thoughts and negativeness and into, into your into who you are. Yes. Don't let them win. You know, Satan get behind me sort of, sort of thing. Zach, we know that God promises to work all things for good. Not that all things are good, but that he will use them for good. How has God been able to use this event in your life? So even with my mom's murder, some good things came out of it. You know, um, I guess maybe I grew in many ways. Some bad things were a, a, a result, but some good things came out, of, uh, uh, came out of it. I ended up becoming an Orthodox priest. I ended up serving, on occasion, the church that my mom grew up uh, in when she was a little girl. St. Peter's and Paul's Russian Orthodox Church in Passaic, New Jersey, had no idea until one day, I called my Uncle Pete and I said, Uncle Pete, I'm going to be doing the liturgy over there at St. Peter's and Paul's in Passaic. Have you ever heard of it? He goes, did I ever hear of it? It was our church. It was your mom's church. We grew up there. Amen. And, and I had no idea, right? So then one day I'm sitting in the office and, you know, it's it's very common for Russian Orthodox priests to have these beards, these long, gigantic beards. You know, uh, I don't uh, for a variety of reasons, my work, all of these things. And it's okay, but it's a rarity. Uh, I'm in the church. I see the, the portrait of the, the priest who baptized my mom, and he didn't have a beard. Wow. And there I am sitting in front of him, probably at the same location. I go, hey, Father Stephen, he's the rector there now. I go, can you find the records uh, of my mom's baptism by any chance? Now, this church has been around since the early 1900s. It was the last Church in the United States, the czar, Nicholas, funded $100,000. A lot of money back then. And it's a beautiful, ornate church. Oh, it's, 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 it's amazing. You should visit it if you ever get the chance. You will, you will just be, you'll be uh, amazed at the artwork and the icons and, and how it's just built. It's amazing. Um, 
it's a like a living living museum i guess so i get one of these big gigantic record books very common in churches because they write down everything oh yeah and i flip and i almost feel like this presence over my shoulder and i turn and i find my mom's my mom's name yes written by the parish priest to baptize her right there eleanor and i i started to cry because you know when you have a little baby and you know, i could just imagine my my grandparents when you have that little baby you're full of joy and no matter what you went through you have this vision of a life well lived and not a victim of a tragedy or not the victim of cancer or not the victim of ALS or, or whatever it might be. And these young parents, they bring their child in, they have the godparents there and they dedicate their, their little baby to Jesus, to the kingdom of God. And they want to raise them up in faith. Those are all beautiful things, but nobody, not a parent on this planet would ever think that I'm going to raise my child to be brutally murdered, you know, to, to, to not have it so easy to have these, these different trials and tribulations. I mean, you just, this is what I'm thinking when I see that little name. Yeah. And, you know, even when I'm part of a baptism now, or, you know, someone receives their first communion for the very first time as a little baby in the Orthodox church, you know, you're thinking of great things planned for this person. And, you know, then there's the, the story of Jesus Christ, our Lord and savior born little cute little baby, Mother Mary. Jesus, he, he made it to 33 years of age. And, you know, when you read the passion and the, and the death and how, how it all happened, I mean, I'm telling you, uh, that should tear your heart out. I mean, that's how much he loved the least of us by being, being willing to, to be nailed on the cross and whipped and all of those different things and the crown of thorns and being spat at. And there, you can read about that in Psalms where, you know, David is, is writing about the crucifixion where they wag their heads at him and he saved others, but he can't save himself. He's calling on Elijah. They took his garments and they, you know, cast lots for it. That whole scene, it always gets me every time when I think about it, but you know, these these kind of emotions, these sadnesses that we that we experience as people, and you know, it doesn't always turn out the way we think it's going to turn out. But instead of maybe focusing on, you know, things turning out the way we want, if we started doing the will of God, then I think then everything will be for the better. And what is the will of God for for each and every one of us is just to love thy neighbor as thyself and love God with your whole heart and soul. Yes. And how you serve God is a little bit different for each and every one of us. Just because you say, I will do the will of God, which is really a talk about a leap of faith. It's really making a statement. That doesn't mean you have to end up becoming a priest or a nun or a monk or a pastor or, you know, go into the missionary and, and go out to God knows where, you know, it doesn't mean all of those things for some of us. It does, but for most of us, it doesn't. There's very few that are, are chosen for that. But, you can help support those people that are chosen for that by being, you know, supportive, you know, any way you can. Doesn't know it's not all money. It's not all about money. It's about your prayers and mm. being present for somebody and loving people and treating them how you want to be treated. So that's the main message. Like learn how to forgive. Yes. Because 
it says, if we forgive, as we forgive, we'll be forgiven. Have more faith. Uh, try to be less cynical. Try to work on, take the, the COVID-19 and make the best out of it. So again, you know, taking all of those bad tragedies that happen that we think are tragedies and, and drawing the good from it, I think that is how we got to start looking at at these things. Yes. And, um, you know, treat people like you want to be treated, the golden rule. We got to, we, if we spend more time helping our neighbors and even helping our enemies, and how can your enemy hate you if you're always constantly giving them a glass of water or giving mm-hmm. them food? Sooner or later, you're going to break them or her. They're not going to be your enemy forever. But if you do it, you got to do it with the right mindset. You got to do it out of love. Yes. You know? And Zach, as we wrap up, what do you want people to take away from our chat? You know, we've all had heard this story and I think we'll wrap it up right here. This is a good one because it's about the prodigal son. And we all know the story that he decided that he wanted his inheritance right away. He goes to his dad, dad, like, you know, I'm getting older now. I don't know how long you're going to be with it, but I want my inheritance right away. And he goes off to the big city, has a great time. You know, he's having fun. You know, um, I think Billy Graham said there's pleasure in sin for oh, a little while. I remember him saying that. So he's having fun. And then all of a sudden there's a famine that breaks out and there's a big depression and he ends up, uh, on the hog farm and he's just wanting the scraps of the farmers feeding to the hogs. And then he comes to his senses. He goes, I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell my dad, I don't even deserve to be your son. I mean, I, I wasted all this money and I, I lived a life of uh, riotous living and I'm going to go back. So his father's been waiting on the steps for him a long time in his rocking chair, maybe having some tea and lemonade. And I'm, I'm updating the story because they probably didn't have iced tea and lemonade <laughs> back in Palestine back in Israel. So um, he's rocking on a chair and he sees his son off in the distance and you know he runs up, he leaps up, he, he hugs his son. Before his son, look at the scripture, before he can even say, I'm not worthy to be your son, he stops him. He's so happy. I'm, I'm glad you're back. He throws a party, puts a, you know, new clothes on him, washes him up, gives him the ring, you know, throws the party. Then we got the, uh, the older son, right? Now, the older son, I don't know, a lot of people feel bad for the older son because they're like, yeah, well, he's got a point, man. This guy went out and did what he did, and you know, you're throwing him a party. And see, the problem is not so much the prodigal. The major problem is the attitude of the older, older uh, brother. Yes. Who doesn't refer to him as his brother, doesn't really love his brother, and I question whether he really cared about his father because he was working on that inheritance, right? He was working really hard to keep what he got. He didn't get in his brother's face and say, look, don't do that. What are you doing to dad? You don't, you know, is you going to hurt, hurt him? That's just a horrible thing to do. I love you. What, what else could you need that I can't help you with right now? So that older brother that we often glance over in this prodigal story is really, it could be us easily. We got to stop being like that, especially towards people who want to come back and they're repenting and they want to change and they, they want to give a chance. And how many times are you supposed to forgive them? 70 times seven? As many times as they ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. All right. So that, that older brother in the story, I'm just think about his heart. Like if he really, truly loved his brother, 
a lot of things wouldn't have gone wrong. So I think, you know, when we, we look at our, our faith, none of us are perfect. I make a lot of mistakes. I, you know, I aggravate a lot of people. I know that because it's just how I am. But, you know, we got we to gotta really focus on what love is all about. I mean, true love, not this love that we see on television that we think is love. That's lust. It's something completely different. We got to just start really loving one another each and every day to the best of our ability. And really, when you see somebody else suffering, it's not somebody else's job to go there and help. You're the one. I'm the one that has noticed for a reason, do something about it and just stop the hate. And uh, we'll leave it at that. Zach, thank you, brother. In, in that darkest of times, uh, apparently your faith, God was just with you, carrying you through the grief with your mom. What advice do you have for those that are listening right now that are grieving? The more you grieve, chances are the more you loved. So grieving is not, not a negative thing. It's a good thing. You got to cry sometimes, you know, men don't cry. Well, that's bonkers. Uh, I don't think that you really, you really quite get over it. I don't think, you know, you see what happened when I thought about this, the, the, my mom's name in that book yeah. and you know, the, the vision that her parents had for her. Um, I, I don't think, I, I don't know what closure means. I don't understand that. You know, I, I don't think you should ever tell anybody get over it already. Cause that's, that's not, that's not loving. That's for sure. I think that it's perspective. And I think that over time, love heals all wounds. And, um, you know, if we have faith in Christ and we really, really believe what that gospel story teaches us about faith, about God, about how to live, that we'll see our loved ones again. And, yes. you know, uh, you just got to, it's okay to grieve. It really is. But but I, I think that if, if you're overcome with grief, you really need to uh, talk to people. And, you know, if you're the person that that person talks to, you just got to sit there and, and be present and be loving and listen to them. And even if it sounds like a broken record, listen to it over and over again. Hopefully that helps. But yeah, to, to get through the grief, you just got to let it be. And, and Well, it, grief, it, grief is a passage. It's not yeah, a place to stay, but yeah, it's not a lack of it, faith either. It's okay to grieve. Yeah, it's Jesus wept, right? Amen. He knew that he was going to go raise Lazarus. Okay. He wept because of, of what he witnessed of, you know, the sorrow that everybody was going through. I mean, it, it, you know, Jesus wept. It's one of the shortest verses in the Bible. He wept. He understands. I mean, we all weep. We all grieve. Maybe the best thing anybody can do is to make sure that they have some sort of prayer life that they focus on. You know, when people are asked at a very young age, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a cop. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a disc jockey. I'll go, you're crazy. Go back and rethink that. <laughs> um, I want to be, um, you know, an astronaut. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be president of the United States, whatever it might be. How about we start going, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a saint. You know, I want to be godly. I want to, you know, have a full life in Christ. I want to have a prayer life. I want to, you know, it, 
enjoy being at church. I want that to be where I spend all my extra time, you know, those kind of things. I, I think that, that that's some, you know, a, a shift in thinking. And maybe if we start doing that from a very young age and we, we strengthen ourselves spiritually as well as mentally and physically, uh, then when we experience a loss, it'll be a, l- a little bit, uh, maybe I'm not going to say easier to take, but you'll be able to, I, I think, approach it better with, I guess, mitigating some of the, some of the damage that can be a result of it. I, I, that to me, when I look back at everything, I think that that's, that's something that resonates with me and makes a lot of sense. It works for me. And I, that's the one thing I would share with other people. So you don't that, have to, you don't have you know, to look, it's already within you and you just hold on then to that faith. Right. Exactly. I think that that's one of the things that I would definitely encourage other people to explore. You have to you know, eat every day, eat the word of God every day. Amen. There you go. You got it. Amen. Zachary Taylor Martin. Thank you, brother. May God continue to use you in a mighty way. Well, listen, same, same goes for you, Sonny. I do appreciate this opportunity. It It's the first time that anybody has ever sat down with me at length and talked about any of this stuff. You know that? I mean, I, I've been interviewed a, a lot about, you know, rock and roll or, you know, various other things, but never this. And I think that this was, um, it, it means a lot to me that, that you, you took the time to talk to me about this very thing. So thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate you. I thank God for you. To God be all the glory. Thank you so much for listening to The Sunny Side. Family Life is listener supported and your financial gifts make podcasts like this possible. Find out how you can partner with Family Life on our website. Just visit familylife.org.